0: Hi everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of Unwind the Mind Season 3. Today I have my amazing aunt, Tita Kara, who will be talking about journalism and the art of film, and I hope you all enjoy. Today I have my amazing Tita, Tita Cara, who I've fortunately met through my mom, who I had no idea they knew each other. Um, so Tita Kara and I met through a book launch that we were recently in as you all know, Fearless Filipinas. And today we're just gonna have a really casual conversation on the importance of art through activism, in this case, documentary film. So I think to start us off, what made you get into documentary filmmaking in general? Is that from my understanding, you were a longtime advocate all around, like super person, like what got you into documentary film and why is it an important agent of storytelling?
1: Why did I get into storytelling? I just love storytelling. I think even when I was young, back in the day, um, whenever my parents would bring me to, let's say they had a dinner with friends, I would always look for the family albums. So I would go to that section of the house. Back in the day, there was stuff like that in the living room. Um, So I would always look at the family albums. I wanted to know their stories. And whenever it was summer vacation, I looked forward to going abroad. Not because I wanted to go to the new places, although that was a thrill, but because I was going to write letters back home to my friends and family. So, and you know, my, my mother is a storyteller. She's a journalist. My dad, although he's a surgeon, he watched so many documentaries. So I grew up, I guess, seeing all that. And I just love a good story. And, and, and I realized there is power in what this soft, you know, people think it's really, it's still soft power. It's still power nonetheless. It, it's very powerful. Storytelling can heal. Um, If you elevate it to documentary filmmaking, it can bring down governments, you know, it can change the way people think, it can move them to action. So many things, many things.
0: That's awesome. And so did you have, like, did you write for a while? Like, since you mentioned how your mom's a journalist, like, did you start out with writing and then get into film?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I I started uh, freelancing for magazines in in the Philippines for um, lifestyle features. And then um, somewhere along the way, I I was watching a lot of television. And this is just after 1986, the People Power Revolution. And so there were a lot of um, news magazines that came out. People were just bursting to tell the truth and do investigative stuff because... Prior to that was martial law and, you know, there was no freedom of expression. So I found that more exciting. And so I shifted and I, I, all my studies, they're all related to print journalism. Yeah. So I shifted and I, and I joined the pro team. Um, This is a television show that's kind of patterned after 60 minutes long ago. And it eventually, um, it eventually um, evolved. But yeah, uh, Maria Ressa started the show along with two other Filipinos, Cheche Lazaro and Lu there, so I joined that, and from then on, I just you know kept going with television okay. and then doing independent documentary filmmaking, and yeah, so there
0: That's awesome. yeah and it's it's so cool to hear that you can like kind of get into that way of storytelling, like even if you don't have the background also like I know you studied it. I personally just finished school, and I didn't study anything about journalism, and I want to be a journalist, so it's weird where life takes you. So yeah. talking more on Delicado and like just the amazing things that this film has reached. Like if you all like search it up, it has reached like almost like every film festival I've seen just like countless of like features. And I think it's simply because also aside from the amazing planning that the team has made it, it's just like the content and the story and the people that are so diligent in their craft and are so diligent in being fearless because there's so many like weird like i don't really know do you know like the how the philippines works in the way of like land defenders like why are they so against or why at least like so many companies against land defenders and why is the government not supportive of like land defenders from your knowledge um as a producer
1: oh wow um I think land defenders are underappreciated and they're underpaid, I think. Even government land defenders, not just private or independent land defenders. Um, I mean, even I, I I love trees. I love forests. I love the environment. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening to you do too. It's not only nice to think about, it's the right thing to do, but you actually know what goes on in the forest when somebody cuts down a tree And how are they apprehended? I never thought about that until we did this film. And I never knew that people would die for it or kill for it, you know, because there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money involved. Um, And again, unfortunately, the greed gets the better of a lot of people, including government officials. So we have beautifully crafted laws to protect land defenders. But, you know, money speaks. And so that's a problem. You need willpower in the different sections where you have a lot of forests or a lot of resources to protect them. But sometimes even the heads of those provinces are the ones really promoting, you know, the rape of their resources.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And this is where I definitely plug in the movie. If anyone has time to watch, just because the purpose of the movie is really just like that whole like technical aspect of what people go through. And even through the trailer I encourage like everyone to watch it just because you'll really be compelled to see what people actually go through. And it's like it doesn't give so much away, which is what I like about the trailer by the way, because I feel like trailers nowadays they give everything. It's like the whole story but even if it's a documentary. I'm just like, okay, what's make what's making me want to like actually sit down and watch it. But like as a producer also like Has it made you emotional to like see this whole process like building up to what it is now? Like what was going through your head and what were you like thinking and like feeling about the whole like from production to like promo of the film?
1: Well, just to simplify it, um, after and during the film uh, production, I just had my eye on the people we featured, the land defenders. I was just focused on their safety, that they were okay with everything that we did with them. You know, every step of the way, even every rough cut we came out with, we had to ask them, were they okay? We were going to come out with this because they were very bold and brave. Naming names. I mean, when you actually see the film... Um, you'll be put to shame with how courageous they are. They don't even overthink it. I don't even think they see themselves as superheroes, which they are. So, I mean, I, I can't think of anything beyond that. And so when we had our Philippine premiere, um, when it finally came home after doing so many other festivals at the Cultural Center of the Philippines, we were the closing film of Cinemalaya Festival. Um, it was so rewarding to see the reaction of people. We, we got a really warm response from like, there were like 1,400 people in the theater. And um, when the host called each of the protagonists on stage, they each got a standing ovation. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Amazing moment for all of them. So I wanted them to feel, you know, all the love people were sending them, the appreciation that they needed. They're out there in the forest, you know, fighting it out, feeling all alone, feeling like, does it really make a difference? Well, now they felt that appreciation.
0: Yes, so they were there in person. We we flew them all
1: into Manila from Palawan. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing because some of them, it was their first time, I think, inside like a theater, Mm -hmm. They were chatting and using their phones. So some people had to tell them, oh, please, you can't do that. And then I was beside one land defender who was so tickled pink, he kept giggling whenever he saw his face on the big screen. It was adorable. I mean, you know, here was a superhero. Such a, you know, Mm -hmm. kick-ass guy in the forest who was like, Looking like a baby watching the film. I mean, it was so oh pure. <laughs> yeah, pure. it was a delight to see that. Yeah,
0: it's oh, amazing. And I oh, and I have
1: to tell you the ending because there was a Q and A. There was a Q and A, and we were running out of time. And this girl who came to the mic almost did not make it. The host almost cut her off. And yeah. oh it turned out she was the daughter of one of the land defenders, one of the main characters. His name was oh. Tata. Yeah, yeah, he he led the he led a lot of the. Uh, what do you call this, the confiscation of yeah. um, chainsaws. So yeah. this girl came up and said, you know, I grew up knowing the word delicado, which means dangerous in English. Yeah. And she said, uh, my father always told me to never say we were his children because it was dangerous. It was delicado without knowing why. So they just followed him. Yeah. Um, and he just kept saying, my job is delicado. And, you know, she said she would... The only thing she did, maybe it was dangerous indeed because he would come home with wounds. Sometimes she would yeah. bring him to the hospital. And when she saw the film, she said, oh my gosh, now I know what he means. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what they say, but I am proud to tell everyone I'm his daughter. Oh my gosh, I think everyone was in tears. <laughs> everyone was in tears. And later on, people were asking us, did you script that ending? I said, not at yeah. all. We had no idea she's going to come just... up on the mic. Yeah. She's such a shy person. I had no idea yeah. she's going to go up but yeah it was a beautiful beautiful um uh, premiere wow, in the philippines
0: goosebumps that's amazing. yeah goosebumps like, really i will definitely share this with everyone like especially when i write about this like amazing
1: i can send you a, a video also oh, of yeah. the applause at the ccp you can share yeah.
0: what's beautiful is like also all of these moments come so organically like those are like the best moments that just like like no one knew and then now the truth like slowly unveils those like small pockets of truth that's amazing um and I'm gonna like try to tie in what you were talking about like people in power and what they can do with that and I think this is like super relevant with um the last anniversary we had a few days ago with like you know martial law and everything Um, I was like just reading a book about that and how because um, my tita, the one that I'm staying with right now, she literally has like a textbook, and with literal pictures and like like verbatim like quotes from martial law survivors, and it was such a great read. It's like this big coffee table book, and it just got me thinking like how much how how much agency of power has in government, and how that relates to like the Philippines and why our, like our systemic, like our th- our like. The problem in government is just so rooted in our past and why people can't accept that. And something I study in psychology, because um, I also work part-time in the lab, and I work with a lot of kids. One thing I learned, personally, is that everything is rooted in family, because that's like the first unit of society. Every single trauma that a child has, is also like, especially leading up to like teenagers, is rooted in family and trauma. And I, what I see when I see a family and when I see society is that kind of common system. Like a lot of what a country's problems is, is just obviously rooted in government and how people lead. And so like as your own leader, because I know you also do like nonprofit work with I Can Serve, which is amazing by the way. Um, my lala died of breast cancer. So like, oh. it's really, yeah, my dad's mom. So it's like really nice to see like people raising awareness of it. Um, And especially like doing this film because it's another take because it's another form of leadership that I definitely see. Like everyone who's also produced this film, you're also putting yourself out there because you're the one that gave these people a platform, right? So like, I definitely like see and recognize that. Um, What is like your your best piece of advice of like standing up to that level of giving marginalized people a platform um, to speak up to end that continuous cycle and you're also a mother right so even in your own family for sure you do that in your personal life but like how where do you get like where do you get the balls to do that because like not a lot of people would necessarily like end that system and that constant resistance of oh, I'll just do this and this just because everyone else is doing it kind of thing. if that makes any sense
1: You know, I don't overthink it. (laughs) I don't overthink it. Maybe it comes naturally to me because a lot of people in the family have always stood up for the truth. It sounds so cliche, right? But I had no idea that it's really not common. It's not easy. My mother stood up for the truth. And so it cost her her job. Um, Marcus had her resign from her job. And and at one point, she was on a kill list uh, just before people power for all the exposition did. Um, I have aunts and uncles who also stood for truth and one went missing during martial law. Um, She was with the Philippine Collegian. It was the news, uh, it was like the newsletter of one of the leading universities in the country. So I I don't overthink it. And so when I do my documentaries, for instance, like the martial law one, the recent one, 11,103 or Delicado, I also draw my courage from the people we feature I mean, they are brave. They are the ones who are brave, not us. And they put us to shame. I mean, for what they do, they have nothing. They have everything to lose for what they're doing. And when I say everything to lose, there's even nothing to lose practically. Yeah. Because they have so little. And that's my inspiration. I mean, who am I to say I'm afraid when they're not even... They have no iota of fear. Yeah. It's just, you know, like, like for instance, for the land defenders, they consider the earth, a member of their family. So it's a no-brainer. You protect your family. And so that's where I get my courage from. Same thing with the martial survivors. After they've been wronged, tortured, raped, You know, loved ones were murdered brutally, they're still patriotic. They're still fighting for the truth. And they're fighting for their stories to be told. Why can't you stand beside them? And I know it's easy because uh, we found a lot of, we also didn't find a lot of supporters while doing this film. Some people were afraid. And I can understand at the same time, then don't complain. We're not going to get anywhere for all afraid. But again, I know I don't want to judge. Yeah. Um, we have different circumstances. And I guess my family is also supportive. I mean, I put them at risk as well. Yeah. But yeah, so I really have to pray a lot about these things. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, I think if everybody just banished fear, then wow, can you imagine what we can accomplish together?
0: Yeah, yeah that's really interesting and like the how where do you get your psychological grit from because there's like a lot um i think grit is like the best word to describe it also like you know determination you know resilience all of those kind of stuff where do you get that from like aside from aside from like family and obviously like spirituality and everything um Where do you find your balance between working on all of this? Because I'm sure it's also really overwhelming for you sometimes because like so many events, like so many events, so many, you know, people to talk to. Where do you find that like grounding? Where do you feel most grounded um, to pursue like all of all of your endeavors?
1: Well, you mentioned it. It's really that simple. It's family and faith. Mm -hmm. It's really just that. And I think that's all you need. I mean, they're indivisible. And if you don't have family, well, that's hard. Yeah. And if you don't have faith, there, I don't think you can really survive because you're going to feel that everything depended on you or on this earth, but there's really something higher than you that can lift you and take you through. So for me, it's really just family and faith and maybe a lot of cake <laughs> and a lot of yeah. potato chips. <laughs> a lot of, yeah.
0: a lot of like, self-care, yes. Um, yeah. I think to, to wrap up just the whole like concept um going back to more like action-oriented things for like younger people what is something you wish you told your younger self and I think now you're definitely at such a successful point in your life and you've experienced and witnessed witnessed a lot of things a lot of harsh reality but with that harsh reality if you were to go back in time and this is like a favorite question that I always ask because the way I see myself is like my past self my current my future and i love like talking to her i love like telling her you know we made it this far and then i asked my future self questions. so what would you ask your or what would you tell your past self to kind of like ease her especially when she's in the process of like figuring herself out you know being a producer and like uh, an advocate for so many things like what would
1: I don't know. You know, I, I have no regrets. There's nothing I, wa- I want to change. But something I wish I did perhaps was, again, I'm nosy. I wish I asked more questions and dug up more family stories. Like, you know, my grandfather fought during World War II and he also fought during the Korean War. I wish I asked him more. You know, whenever he would start to tell the story, to would start to like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Oh, I, you know, I, I wish I sat down. I wish... You know, I asked my other grandfather more things. And my grandmother, you know, sometimes they tell you stories and then you're tuning out or you don't really dig. I wish I did. I mean, anyone who started to open up to me, I wish I asked more and documented more of it. It's really that because, you know, family history is so important. It, It defines who you are. You always unconsciously try to think, I would. What would my mom do in this situation? What would my grandfather do? You know, you always think that way unconsciously, right? Yeah. And if you don't have that, if you don't know your past or a lot of the details, you're anchorless. You're, you know, you're not really grounded, and it's so hard to pursue a, a clear path or destiny. Yeah. So I always like to really um, look back to the past. So I always keep asking now. You know, my father or whoever I see. I ask them about their past. Mm-hmm. All these collective stories, it enriches anyone's heritage and anyone's self- sense of self.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do all the time. Especially my mom mm-hmm. and my parents are really close with. I have like a picture of them when they started dating and I was like, one day I'll find out
1: one day <laughs> do it soon do it soon yeah sometimes my, my my father would complain when we're just having a dinner conversation there you go in, there you go again interviewing me are you working again oh i'm God. like no this is how this is how i normally converse you're asking too many questions yeah. and i think when i was grade two or three my mom said i was a walking interrogative oh
0: that's amazing that's actually like, <laughs> so telling
1: that might mean i'm chismosa also right i don't know
0: It can be. be. Beechus muscle can be good. Yeah, it can be good. That's really nice. You're just curious. Um, and also like for my writing piece, so Stanford actually started a new school of environmental. uh, What do you call it? Yes, Doer School. I think it's called Doer School. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure how to spell it. Doer School for Environmental Sciences and Sustainability. So it's a whole sustainability school. Um. I am writing this, like, to the students and for the students of the school, and I was wondering if you had a message to them um, about the Delicata film or, like, just anything in general um, about, uh, because we're, I mean, the Philippines also, just let me know, like, they have a whole city on that. They have a class for that, actually, um, just for the school, because it's, like, a big, I mean, we're a big archipelago. It's a country, it's a third world country that's being studied meticulously on environmental cases and also marine life so I yeah I'm writing this to the school and I was wondering like if you had a message for the students um in the door school and this was just indoctrinated like 2019 or 2020 so it's a super new school um if you had any like message for them or anything that you'd want me to like write about i don't know if i can
1: add to anything they already know it sounds like a rock (laughs) star new innovation right so maybe just to also incorporate or realize that there is power in storytelling okay you know that documentaries can help push whatever goals they have Mm -hmm. um like like i hope they watch the film delicado for one and really be outraged and be moved into action whatever that might be that's in sync or aligned with their own goals I mean, they can even use the film as a tool for whatever they want, whatever, you know, causes they want to pursue. But yeah, not just Delicara, but in general, I wish they would um, incorporate uh, documentaries in what they do and in the way they want to, you know, promote awareness or, you know, uh, go for for call to action stuff. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, And that wraps up our podcast. Thank you, Kara, for your time. If you all want to check out Delicado and Tita work, it'll all be in the description box below. And I'll also be linking the newly released PBS link that just got out yesterday. So you can watch that if you're in the US, which most of our viewers are. But yeah, thank you so much for your time and I'll see you all in the next episode.